This is Unpacking Design. I'm your host, Michael Valley, And I'm Tim Ung. Every week, we talk about the tools and tech that inspires our lives as designers. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Unpacking Design. Tim, we've been talking a little bit about changing up the content this year. And I think one of the things that I've been looking forward to is the different types of, I don't know, categories of podcasts that we record or I guess foci or focuses that we have um, on different types of topics or themes. And I wanted to start, you you kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit. Um, I don't, I didn't necessarily think of it this way until you mentioned it, but I kind of want to create some kind of, not like a, a book club per se, but I want us to come back to the table and talk about books that we're reading, um, things that we've seen. And because I think the reality is it might, hopefully it comes across a little bit, um, that we're having intelligent conversations about these things, but, um, you and I read a lot and I think you read a lot, um, in general. Uh, like, I think I've been inspired in some cases by how much you read and I've read a lot more because of that. Um, and also just, I think that reading is one of the best ways for us as designers, as creatives, as professionals, as human beings, whatever you want to say to really help ourselves grow as individuals. I find a lot of really great perspectives through reading and, you know, sometimes you find a dud here and there, but the reality is, is that I think that we could gain a lot of um, really good conversations and and share a lot of ideas with the podcast listeners out there um, by bringing kind of a book to the table to discuss, unpack, and uh, maybe even debate sometimes on whether or not it's a good book. Um, So I, I want to start in a place, um, you know, we've talked about books before and I've brought a couple things on. We've talked about um, Tim Ferriss's books. We've talked about Gary Vee's books. Uh, But I really want to bring at least a book that is very important to me uh, to the table today. And I have a little bit of a backup story to this. So uh, as we've talked, you know, sometimes ad nauseum on the podcast in 2015, I started a blog and a year and a half later, two years later, I was completely burnt out. Um, Part of that was from years of uh, being an architect, being a designer, working on a lot of different projects, running myself ragged, hustling, um, really trying to push myself further into my career. And I just found myself at this impasse where I didn't really know I kind of felt lost and didn't really know what I was doing with my life. I had a lot of uh, issues with relationships and kind of where I was going in my career and what was next for Mike Lavallee, whether that was um, things that I needed to deal with health-wise or emotionally or mentally. And I looked around, I think this is actually kind of how I found my passion for reading again. I had been an avid reader in high school and then it kind of stopped when I went to architecture school and I had been trying to pick it up ever since. And I just needed help from somebody. And I turned to books in a pretty serious way to get inspired and motivate myself to uh, kind of dig myself out of the ditch uh, that was the burnout that I experienced. So I thought it would be very interesting to start with the book that really kicked that off and started that journey for me, which was Simon Sinek's Start With Why. And it it just means a lot to me as a book for a lot of different reasons, not um, 
not a uh, little of which is the the way that it helped me pull myself out of burnout in a pretty sub- substantive way. So uh, just, I guess, backstory on Simon Sinek's uh, work and who he is. Um, he is a, I believe he's sort of a, a, a he was born in England, um, but he, I think he's um, he's British American. He's an author. He's an inspirational speaker. And for anybody who's not aware of who he is or um, hasn't read his book before, he kind of came into uh, the spotlight in, I think it was 2009, when he had um, sort of his, the TED Talk that kind of uh, kicked off, you know, who he is. And it was, um, very powerful. It's, I think it's like in the top two or three, uh, most viewed Ted talks ever. And it was just one of those things that sort of, I don't know, it just made sense. It's like one of those talks that when you watch it and I actually just, I was fortunate enough to watch it again today, um, just ahead of this podcast, it is so inspiring. It's like criminal, you know, it's just like one of those, like almost like, uh, just like those simple truths in the world. When you watch it, you're just like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not even really sure how we didn't know that before as a culture. Um, and the, for anybody who's uh, looking into that, it's called how great leaders inspire action. And it's ultimately the thing that led to his book, start with why, uh, how great leaders inspire everyone to take action. Um, and the premise just in a very basic nutshell is that there is this sort of, um, way that very inspiring leaders throughout history and leaders today who want to, um, inspire action. Um, there's just a way about them that they've almost not necessarily thought about it the same way that Simon has, but they've come to this sort of universal truth on their own, which is that there's a why behind the great actions of history. There's a, it's not about what you do or how you do it, but about why you do it. And those people who can really understand the why of how they do something and what they're doing are the ones that really inspire the action in their work or in culture. Example, the example that uh, Simon refers to a lot and maybe uh, too much sometimes is the idea of Apple. And Tim, I know you and I talk about Apple almost constantly. We have dedicated podcasts to things, Apple, and there's, I think, a reason for that. And it's not just because of a phone or a computer. It's because Apple, you know, maybe you could debate that Apple has lost its way a little bit or why it it does what it does. But the reason why a company like Apple or a Steve Jobs can inspire why is because there's this idea that um, they as Simon puts it, they challenge the status quo. That's their, their, why they do what they do. They're trying to challenge the status quo. And that leads to a different kind of product at the end of the line than if I was just to say, okay, we're Apple, we make computers. Um, do you want to buy one? You know, there's a different resonance that happens when you understand the why of what you're doing so that it's not just about selling a computer. It's about if, if you're Apple, 
and you're trying to challenge the status quo and you happen to like, how do you challenge the status quo? Well, you uh, make things that uh, work well for people. You, they're beautifully designed. And what do you actually do? You just happen to make, as he says, you just happen to make uh, a computer. He says in his talk, well, would you like to buy one? And I don't know. There's just something that has been very powerful to me about that understanding your why. And I still don't really exactly know what my why is, but the way that Simon describes it in his book, and we can kind of break this down even further, the why isn't the what you're making. It's not the widget at the end. And it's not even the thing that differentiates you in your market. It's the thing that is like all encompassing of um, your purpose behind something. And I think a lot of companies, the reason why I, I resonated so much with this is because I felt like I had just been in those other modes where I didn't really understand my why of doing things. I was just like, I kind of knew what I did. Like everybody knows what they do. Um, and some people, as Simon says, um, know kind of what differentiates them and how they do it, but not everybody. And very few people actually know why. Um, and since this book came out, start with why I've noticed a lot more people talking about their why it's almost become this sort of, um, uh, it's been almost overused to the point where people just keep saying, I know what my why is, but I wanted to bring this to the table today, Tim, partially because you've also read this, which I thought was important. Um, but I wanted to see kind of what your general take was, and then maybe we can go deeper into the book. But overall, I wanted to start with start with why. Yeah, my um, my first impression of Simon Sinek's book, I think it all started with his TED Talk, actually, because I watched his TED Talk, and as he started to describe Apple, it all started to make sense to me because his presentation wasn't like a slideshow. If I remember mm -hmm. right, he had a gigantic poster board paper thing with like yeah. gigantic sheets and he would flip the sheets and draw circles and like write names. Yeah. So it was like a live demonstration. And I remember him showing it and talking about the curve of the diffusion of innovation. Yeah. He was talking about that, that resonated with me the most because the curve of diffusion of innovation really struck on the differences between the people who are making a difference by innovating new products versus the people who tag along after versus the people that trail after that. Yep. And as he described it, he then talked about the customer. He talked about how you have the people who are always in the front of the line. They're the first ones at Apple. They're, for, they're the first ones at Nike to buy the first pair of, of shoes that come out. Mm -hmm. They're the first people who always show up. No matter how bad the weather is, they'll be there. Mm -hmm. right? You, you know they'll be there. They're like the truest fans you'll ever meet. And then you have the people, and I'm kind of one of those people too. In the past, I was. Now I'm definitely not. Where I would always say, let those people try the product first. Let them mm -hmm. fix the bugs, and then I'll get it. And then you have the people in the back, like my mother, who's like, oh, yeah, I, I need a phone. I guess I could go with an iPhone, you mm -hmm. know? And so you have like these three different groups of people. And there's people spread in between, but that's the categorization that the mass population is in that middle of that diffusion of innovation. They're always in the middle because they don't want to be the first testers and they don't want to be the last ones. So when you think about that logic, it when he described it, it made me realize that 
no matter where, what field we're in and what we're designing, what we're doing, we're always catering towards something and someone else. And for that reason, it's important to know not how you can sell your product, sell your idea, but it's more important to know why you even decided to pursue it in the first place. Because if you right. don't have that, you're not going to pursue it to the ends of the earth. You're going to pursue it for the wrong reasons. And it was very clear in his presentation that when you're a company who chases after the things that have always worked, and you're the person who has always chased after the money that came with it, you end up being like Kodak, where Kodak was a, a photo company that did very well. They were at the front of everything. And eventually, when digital cameras started coming out, they didn't believe that that would take on. They thought people would always use film. And so mm -hmm. they didn't catch on to that idea. And because they didn't want to believe that, they ended up being ousted because everyone shifted to tech. Everyone shifted to digital. And from that one simple switch, people dropped Kodak and Kodak went down. And so when you start thinking about companies in that sense, you start to wonder, well, what was it that caused them to do that? And to me, it was that when you look at why Kodak first started, it was very clear that they were innovating in their field. Yep. But at that time, when they decided not to pivot, it was because they got too comfortable and they didn't want to push themselves. So they lost sight of who they were. And because of that, it then blended into what resulted from that. So to me, the book had this profound way of changing the way that I think about my approach, not just to how I design projects at the architecture firm that I'm at, but also to the way that I think about all of the side hustles, the endeavors I'm setting up, all the other things that I keep trying. Mm -hmm. It all stems from one idea. And to me, I haven't truly figured out the why, but yeah. I'm working towards figuring that out by being action orientated and focusing on trying to continue doing the things that my heart wants to do until I inherently discover what the why is. So I haven't quite figured that part out yet. And I wonder what you think about that, Mike. Have you figured out your why or do you think people have multiple whys? Um, so it's, I think that's a very interesting question. I don't think I can really clearly pinpoint my why. I feel like I'm very fuzzy when it comes to pinpointing it exactly. But I think it comes down to I like my purpose is to create um like I don't know how to describe it, but I want to create the advancement and betterment of others. And I don't I don't know exactly I've always been sort of that mentor, that teacher, that uh, creator though, also. Like I feel like there's an important dichotomy in like who I am of you have the uh, the person who wants to make things and design things and put things out there and um, share them with the world. But you, always, you also have this uh, kind of, um, I have this very strong urge to teach other people and like to almost improve what has been done before um, so that, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a, a piece of writing or a building or something like that, like I'm sharing that with people, but I'm also um, teaching 
like the generation after me or even just helping like one of my peers understand something more so that collectively we're doing better. Um, I feel like it would be a very sad day to realize that we're all going the opposite way. (laughs) And I just, I feel kind of in my bones that that's the driving force behind a lot of what I do, if not everything. So how, you know, how do I do that? I kind of do that by trying a lot of different things, by educating myself, by sharing what I can. And what do I do? I probably am, you know, I'm putting out blog posts and I'm putting out Instagram stories and I'm putting out uh, webinars and, you know, there's a very, there's a very um, sort of clear widget, I guess that I, I said widget earlier, but I like saying widgets. So I'm just gonna keep saying it. Um, it's a very straightforward product that I think you end up with at the end of the road that most people relate to. And because we're being um, uh, inundated with, you know, marketing and things like that all, all over the place. I think it's very easy for the average person to not understand their why, which is a very sort of guttural, emotional, intrinsic sort of almost like reason for being. Um, it's harder to find that and it's easier to see the stuff at the end of the road. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. So I still struggle with even understanding clearly as I just kind of workshopped it in, in the, in the sort of real time. Um, I think about it a lot and I think it sort of changes here and there, but, you know, I, I've seen follow-up conversations with Simon and um, I, at least the ones that I've seen, he said that, you know, you really can't have multiple whys. And I, I kind of agree with him on the sense that, if it's that important to the way that you are, who you are, it's really difficult to not, you know, you might want to be somebody else. Like I, there are things about you, Tim, that like I want in my personality, but I just know they're not part of me. You know, like they're not who I inherently am. You know, we have a lot of similarities, but that's not, we might not share our whys might ultimately look very different. You know, we might be very similar people, but the reason for me to get up every morning is not the same reason that you have. And I think that having that kind of singular vision is not only tough to find, but it's tough to um, accept, you know, like I think a lot of people struggle in their lives and this is kind of why I wanted to tie this in a little bit to the discussion, this my story about burnout, I guess, is because I found this book when I needed it because I was struggling with why I was doing half of the things I was doing and and what I needed to do next in my life. And, um, you know, while this is inherently about leaders taking action in companies and sort of, uh, or at least a lot of the examples are company-based, I think that it's a very good book and a very good concept to say, okay, well, why do I get out of bed every morning? You know, and it doesn't have to be the thing you do. Like, yes, I'm an architect, but the reason I get up every morning is because I want to create and make the world better. You know, I don't, I don't get up because, um, you know, just a love or a passion for architecture makes me get up. You know, I think that if that was the only thing that wouldn't be, 
the whole story. And I think that the the point of this that Simon's trying to get at is if you do, if you're lucky enough to find your why or cultivate your why, a lot of these other things fall into place. Sort of like the Apple example, like they are the so like the counterpoint on a bad example would be he he talks about TiVo a lot in his uh, his, his talk. Um, uh, his TED talk. And he says, you know, TiVo kind of hit the mark. And, you know, some people listening to this might not even remember really what TiVo was, um, but it kind of like came and went and you could, they essentially presented a product to the market that was, oh, well, you can record things and like rewind live TV and skip commercials and things like that. And at the end of the day, it was just a product. Um, they weren't explaining properly to the average person like, Hey, do you ever kind of want to not deal with commercials or do you ever want to like have the control or the power in your hand to, uh, you know, that you might not have otherwise in your life? Do you want to have that control? Oh, well, we just happen to have this tool that allows you to do that, you know, and this is how you use it. It's, it's like the opposite for most things. And I don't know. There's just something very powerful about taking it the opposite way where you start with why, and then you take it to, okay, well, you know, if you even look at the way that we operate, Tim, like I, if I start from the point of, I want to help people and create things to do so, then it doesn't matter if we make this podcast, it doesn't matter if I write, it doesn't matter if I make videos, it doesn't matter what I do. It's just, that's the end product of my intent that I had to begin with. Right. I, I think it adds clarity to the things that you're trying to pursue, because if you know why you're doing something, then you'll know what you need to do to get there. And a what becomes, in some cases, a lot more focused. And in others, it might actually give you more ideas for for what you could actually do to achieve it. So it's interesting that when you're trying to define what your why is, that it gets so difficult because you're yeah. trying to force yourself into this one liner. Right. And yeah. I've always thought about it and I'm like, if it were me, what would mine be? And, you know, designing all these projects for my YouTube channel, designing all of the architecture projects for journey of an architect and seeing mm -hmm. how far I've gotten now, when I look back in retrospect, the, the only logical thing that I could ever come up with. And I don't even know if it's a good why. Like, how do you know if it's a good why? Right. right and so right. for me, I would have to say that for me, why I'm doing all the things that I'm doing is because I love to push the boundary of the field that I'm designing within. Yeah. So when you think about the products I'm designing for um, all for my YouTube channel using my laser cutter, I'm pushing the norm of what people thought the laser cutter could be used to make. Sure. So when people see my projects, they're pulled into it because they're like, you can make that with a laser cutter. And then when I design architecture that I love, it doesn't look like the architecture that you think of today. Not only does it not look like the architecture, it also doesn't fall in line with the typologies that we're accustomed to seeing. For yeah. example, I thought about designing a mausoleum in a skyscraper in the heart of New York City. Who thinks about that? And mm -hmm. so to me, it's like, I like to push the norms. I like to push what people consider to be the standard of our day because things get boring when you work within all the standards, you know? So yeah. anyway, I started to realize that about myself. And as I start to refine that why, 
maybe it'll get more focused or maybe it'll get a little bit more precise. But as of right now, that just made the most sense to me that the reason why I design the things that I'm designing is because I like to push the boundary of everything that I'm doing. So yeah, and, whether and, it might be technology or like the actual form of something, I like to explore and to really test the waters. See, this has been very uh, informational for both of us. So now we, now we can take those whys and, you know, really... Uh, and workshop it together. We're going to mastermind <laughs> it after this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing that really sticks out to me about this, um, Tim, that you'll probably agree with is that a lot of times in... So I, I think in some ways, whether this is accurate or not, I maybe it's just, it's just my perception of it, but start with why kind of started a self-development movement in some ways where I feel like a lot of books are very derivative of this. Um, but the reason why this one stands out is Simon's uh, knack for finding really clear and concise examples that just make sense is very profound. And I think the reason why, you know, even though there are other books that he's written um, like the infinite game, uh, which I really love too, and maybe we'll talk about it some point in the future this book in particular is just so again it's just very fundamental to self-development in a lot of ways but the examples from martin luther king jr to um uh, the wright brothers to all sorts of things i think really make this book in particular stand out as something that is just they're, they're like examples that without much explanation, like it goes very in depth to the, the uh, what, how, and why's of each of these things and why things certain certainly work in history and some things don't and are like, you know, horrible examples of why's and things like that. But it's a very optimistic book and it's a very optimistic book based on um, examples that are very, um, I'm trying to think of the word, but very close to the vest, if that makes sense. Like they're very uh, accessible examples uh, throughout history that most people, if you don't know the like depth, you know, in-depth history of something, at least you've heard of the thing before. And with, you know, maybe a couple paragraphs, Simon kind of through his words makes you a believer of, oh, this is a really great example of this, or this is a really example of that. And ever since I've read this book, I don't think I've found another book that has had such clear, well-placed um, examples in it. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths of the book is I feel like you can go from this very pure concept of the golden circle, which is his, um, you know, there's the three rings out, outward, inward. Uh, if you start from the center of the circle, it's uh, why, and that goes to uh, how, and then what, and, every chapter or every, you know, part of a chapter has a new example that is explaining and refining that concept throughout. And I don't know, there's just something to be said about the way that this is written that I think is also very impactful. It's not like, it's not like Simon just found this concept and was like, eh, here, I wrote a book. Okay. Now pay me all this money and I'm going to go talk about this for the rest of my life. It's like a very well written book. And that's kind of the other reason why I wanted to start with this. I don't know if you had any takes on that. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that I've always loved about Simon Sinek and, and his books, but in general, um, is that 
I love the way that he's so articulate. Yeah. And that he has really thought about how he can take a complex idea, but explain it in such a logical way that makes sense to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And to then dissect it by showing you an example so that you can see what he means. And so when I think about his writing style and the way he even talks just in general, yeah, he reminds me of Seth Godin and what Seth Godin does for marketing. Like yeah. when Seth Godin talks about something, you're like, wow, that was like a masterclass. I just right. I learned something in like 10 minutes that I would have never learned in 20 years. Yeah. But it's because he really thought down to like the nook and cranny of it. And he squeezed out all of the information he needed and dissected it, turned it into this like palpable amount of information that anyone can get. Mm-hmm. So with that, the one thing I'd recommend to people who are interested in Simon Sinek's book, uh, Start With Why, is actually to get the audio version of the book. And yeah. if you have money for it, get the actual book and read it along but with the audio. Because mm-hmm. there's something about the emphasis that Simon Sinek puts on his book when he's reading it to you, when it's read by the author, that you really get more out of it because of the way that he emphasizes certain parts of the book. It's yeah. like, it's akin to how Gary V, just his personality, when you're listening to an audio book from Gary V where he's reading it, he'll take a sidetrack and just start to talk about something he forgot in a book or something that changed. Right. And yeah. so like his personality comes through and Simon Sinek's personality comes through when he reads his own books too. So. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have too much more to say about this. I thought this was, you know, a pretty good example of a place to start. And hopefully we'll have more discussions about um, books and authors in the future. But I just want to bring this to the table, Tim, and uh, kick off, you know, potentially a new kind of episode. And hopefully, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about a book that you've read uh, or like has inspired you next time. Um, But, you know, for now, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about it, but this I thought this was a pretty good, pretty good start just to kind of discuss this. Um, I'm hoping to bring more books that will help you guys out there uh, with whatever creative endeavors uh, you're doing. I think that this is one of those, like, this is in my top, it's at least in my top 20 of books I've ever read. Um, and maybe my top 10 of books I've ever read that are just that impactful to me. So I highly recommend it. And uh I don't know if you have anything else you want to add, Tim. No, I I think the only uh, thing that I would want to mention about it is just that if you feel like you're stuck with something in your life or that you need to find some more clarity, this is definitely one of those books that can help guide you towards that, that light, you know, so that you can start to question yourself about the things you're doing and why they matter to you. So, yeah, that's a great place to end on and uh, see you guys next time. See you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Unpacking Design. Check us out anytime at unpackingdesign.com. And you can also find us on iTunes and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Please remember to leave a review and share this podcast with someone you know. Mm